All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Holy City Hoops podcast. This is episode 15. Tommy Glasgow here. Good week for the Cougs. They are on a six-game winning streak. Two much-needed road wins this past week over Delaware and Drexel. So some good separation in the CA standings from the Cougars and some really good performances that we're going to talk about. Uh, a couple guys hit season highs in terms of points. The Cougars scored in the 80s in both their games. Coach Grant got the team up to their 20th win, which is a great threshold. That's the third straight season where the Cougs have hit 20 wins. Uh, so great accomplishment for the program. Um, and a few things we'll nitpick about both games this week, uh, mainly in regards to closing out performances. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that. Quick reminder to check out recaps on holycityhoops.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check us out on your favorite social media channel. But in honor of Valentine's Day being this Thursday, I have a guest on who has been waiting to be on the program for some time. She is the social media manager for Holy City Hoops. She is a former ball girl for the UNC Tar Heels. She is my fiance, Virginia Nicholson. Welcome to the Cougar Den. It's an honor to be here. What if we have zero chemistry? That will not bode well for speeches at the wedding, that is for sure. People would be like, what is wrong with these two? I don't buy that they're engaged. Not a good look. (laughs) Well, you have some questions for me. We'll get to those. You know better than anybody how obsessed I am with the Cougars. So I'm sure your questions are going to revolve around that. Yes. So I wanted to kind of start off with why do you like the Cougars (laughs) so much? I try to keep the podcast under 45 minutes. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I went to the College of Charleston, mm-hmm. just so you know. I graduated in 2011, and the school doesn't have a football program, and basketball is the big sport there, and I've always been kind of a basketball fan. And I just feel like your fandom for college is just a little bit higher because you chose to go there. It's not like dc where i have to be a team right like born into it yeah exactly so it's just like a little bit more is there for being a fan of your college team i feel like and the biggest sport there is basketball so uh, it's just a good way for me to stay connected with the school and i know it drives you crazy was there any like player while you were there that you really connected with or really looked up to i really hated steph curry in school well of course (laughs) Uh, no, I mean, when I was in school, it was a really high time for the program. They had just opened TD Arena. Um, Andrew Gaudelock, the all-time leading scorer, was overlapping with with my year. Uh, Coach Kremens kind of revitalized the program, brought in some, some quality opponents, and it was just a fun team to watch and a good atmosphere at games. So uh, my experience from day one was just like, Everybody is a fan of this team. Everybody shows up for the games. This is like what it's all about. And have you found it hard to keep up with the team since graduating or? I find I have less to do in the evening nowadays. <laughs> so it's easier for me to stream the games and and watch. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's tough. It's nice that the games are all on demand through the CAA and you can just stream them. And uh, there's obviously a social network of other fans. So... It's easier. I would I would say it's easier now, just with technology and mm. with all that to uh, to follow the team. Yay technology! Yay technology! Um, so I know that we've talked about this in the past, but TBT, the basketball tournament, 
for those at home who aren't familiar, it's a annual basketball tournament. And what I think anyone's eligible who doesn't have a current NBA contract. Yeah, something like Is that. that. True. So a lot of uh, college programs will like put together an alumni team. Who would be on your C of C TBT team if you could make one? First of all, I'm very impressed by your questions because you said you were going to have questions. And I this is true. I looked over your shoulder and you had a blank Google Doc with no questions on it. <laughs> quick on my feet. Quick on my feet. <laughs> and now you have all these very astute questions. What? So, so who's on the TBT team? Yeah. If there was going to be one? Yeah, I've, I've thought about this a lot. I think, okay, maybe you go three guards. Okay. You go Dante Draper, who played in some NBA summer leagues, best friends with Carmelo Anthony, had a very successful EuroLeague career that just wrapped up. I think he's like mid-30s by now. He's probably point guard. Got to have Joe Cheely. I think G League guys are eligible. You have Joe. Andrew Gatalock's an obvious one. Probably the best player in school history. D League MVP. Drafted by the Lakers. Played with the Rockets. Um... And then I probably go, I mean, Jarrell Brantley might be eligible next year if he's not. I mean, hopefully he's not eligible. That's true. Hopefully he's in the NBA. So maybe I go Jarrell Brantley and like Ajay Baru, who's still playing professionally, former five-star recruit. He's on the the all-time rebounding list. I think that's a good, solid starting five. And who would be coach? Me. You'd be GM. <laughs> oh, GM. Uh, Anthony Johnson would be Ooh. the coach. Former longtime NBA player who played at the College of Charleston. Nice one. Would be the coach. Yeah. Picks. Good good, uh, good friend with Earl Grant. Played at the same high school as, as Earl Grant. He'd, he'd be good on the sidelines. That's a good right. team. It's that's a very a, good team. I think this should, good should be the official kickoff for our campaign to get a CFC TBT team. Yeah, I'm into so, it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it starts now. It starts now. Campaign starts now. Um, all right, I have one more question for you. Hit me. Favorite CFC basketball memory? Beating UNC. My. You did this intentionally. <laughs> Definitely. This this was a setup. I should have known better. Beating UNC in 2009 or 2010, whatever that was, uh, was pretty cool. I mean, that was... Huge for the program. UNC had just won a championship the year before. Oh, but, I remember. But they had been gutted. I mean, they lost Hansborough and, like, I don't know who else was on that that last, that 09 championship team. But uh, it was in TD Arena. It was a super dramatic victory. Andrew Gowdelock hits a three to send the game to overtime. Just a great game. Fans rushed the court. Did Roy, like, rip off his suit jacket and Roy, stomp? Roy had a broken arm or, like, a broken collarbone. So he could not throw he or rip or he couldn't throw yeah. any tantrums. He loves, he loves those tantrums. Yeah. yeah. Loves he, them. He, uh, he was just very stoic. He, there's nothing he could say. Mm. Any yeah. other questions before we get into, before no, the, you get into the games? No, you on a sour note considering I'm um, not, a... not for me. <laughs> sour note for a UNC, UNC fan. Man, yeah. Well, you guys have a lot of banners that you can uh, wipe away your tears with. We do. This is true. We do. So it's appropriate that you're here for the Delaware and Drexel games because you grew up in Delaware. I did. I know this. People are going to be very confused though when you introduce me as a former UNC ball girl. I mean, do I you want to do you want to explain how that works? 
you go to the New Year's Day <laughs> training camp where I was easily four years older than most of the other kids there, but was obsessed with the team. And you ask CB McGrath, no less, how to become a ball girl. And he says, UNCW coach. Says, send me an email. And then for the next two seasons, my dad and I would fly down uh, for GMs a year and I would literally just wipe up Ray Felton's sweat. And it was the most affiliated job I've ever had. It's disgusting. I thought you could have just said, my grandfather was a professor at UNC and that's why I'm a fan. But he said I was a ball girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good <laughs> correction. So anyway, it's good that you're here for Delaware versus Drexel because you are from that area. Did you grow up going to Delaware basketball games? Um, I did go to a few, but – and then I went to a few games during college when Elena was playing. Yeah. Elena Deladon. True. I mean – Some girls' games, The yeah. women's program is phenomenal. Yeah. And um, the women's state tournament was always hosted – at UD. At UD. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we'd have like kind of the, the, the really big matchups we'd go watch. Nice. So Delaware as a program is not where they have traditionally been. Still rebuilding. But you want to talk about the game a little bit? Want to get into it? Sure. Okay. So best thing about the Delaware game. Three-point shooting percentage. The three-point shooting percentage was off the charts. Yes. So the Cougs... Shot 53% from the field, 52% from three, which is insane. It was because... like 63% in the second half, too. Oh, yeah. It was lights out. It was insane Crazy. because they are, many people would consider them, people being statisticians, to be the worst three point shooting team in the league, like 32%. So you mean like objectively? Yeah. Ob- are... Objectively. Yeah. Yeah. Scientifically, <laughs> they are the worst three point shooting team Love in the my league. Science. Yay, science. But. They hit 11 threes in this game, which matches a season high, and that really carried them. Um, You know, the game was a little close in the first half. UD actually got up 10, and they were just, like, whipping passes and hitting threes and just cutting us up. They had double teams on Jarrell Brantley. Grant Riller was largely subdued. They just like, like, hey, if you want to shoot, you can shoot, but we're going to just make sure you don't drive the lane at all. And... It mainly stifled us for a while, but then Marquise Pointer went down, which I think you saw. Marquise. Marquise got hurt, gets carried off the court. But my boy Zep came in. You love Zep Jasper. Why do you love Zep Jasper so I much? actually started the Zep Jasper fan club. No one else knows this except for you. Okay. But I adore Zep Jasper. I don't know. He just seems real hungry, real feisty, real scrappy. He's definitely, like that. He's definitely scrappy. You know? He's those things. Yeah. 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 He's a fun player to watch. I think Cougar fans love Zep Jasper and are going to enjoy watching him play. And he had a great game in this. So he yeah. had to play extra minutes with Marquise going down. He had 14 points. When we were at the Towson game, he was on fire. And yeah. he carried it over the full week yeah, yeah, into yeah. the Delaware game. It's 14 points. He was three for four from three. It's pretty nice. And it seemed like the floodgates just opened in the second half. Like, like you said, they shot lights out from three. I think six different players hit a three. And early in the second half, the Cougars are up 10, like like that. So my question is, if we, though, weren't shooting that well, do you think we could have come back from that 10-point deficit? I mean, like, do you think we had a, a plan against Delaware aside from just being able to nail threes better than we sh- should have been? So the way that Earl Grant, if, if Earl Grant were to say this, he would say, whether we shoot well from three or terribly from three, as long as we defend 
rebound and don't turn the ball over, hit our free throws, we give ourselves like a larger margin. That's like a lot of conditionals, though. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we're like really good at those things. So if we do all those things, we should be good no matter what we shoot. And often it's not very good. But when we were down 10, we got it to one at the half without hitting threes. I think like Jasper hit a three, but then Riller scored like five straight after we had cut it to like whatever. Yeah. And we got it down to one. So it wasn't until the second half. I don't think we would have won by eight, but I'd feel pretty good. I mean, the guys just like got into a groove. Yeah. I think they were up more than 10 for the majority of the second half. But it was really, I mean, that's what we've seen teams do against us. It's like we play great defense and then a team will hit three threes in a row. And it's like, okay, we can't come back from down nine. We don't have the offense. But they kind of flipped the script. McManus, Riller, and Jasper like all hit threes. Or Jarrell all hit threes. And pretty soon it was a 12-0 run or something. Yeah. So I know the team is built on defense and it's fun to watch them really put the clamps on people, but it is also really fun to watch a team that just like bomb from three and hit everything. Yeah. One of those games. It was fun to watch. So there's a couple other double-digit scores. Riller, again, big night for him. He actually led the team in points, assists, and rebounds. Not quite a triple-double, but yeah, he was he was all over the place. Brevin Galloway, who had been struggling as of late, had 13. He hit a, a trio of threes along with Jasper. So you were stealing my question. Okay, what's your question? My question was going to be who from the bench, I guess, aside from Zepp. Yeah. Most impressed you in that game? Sam Miller. Sam Miller was Miller good. Time. Miller time. Yeah, Sam. Uh, oh, actually, Jalen McManus had a nice game. I'm going to change my answer. Ooh. Sam- I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> Jalen McManus came off the bench. He was perfect from the field. Four for four. How many minutes did he play? I don't have the stats in oh, front of me. come on. Jalen McManus played 19 minutes, had nine points, Four for, four for four. Great numbers. Did not miss. Hit his only three-point attempt, again, as part of that run. Two rebounds. Sam Miller, though, Sam Miller had a nice game. He had six and four. He was also two for two, including one for one from three. So those two guys combined did not miss from the field. And then you throw in Zepp. The bench as a whole had 31 points, which is pretty insane that for is, them. That is insane. I mean, I feel like they average maybe 15. And this is something... I mean, we might as well say it now. I've been watching the Cougars since the 07-08 season. It's probably the best bench they've ever had, in my opinion. Like, in terms of, like, a four-man reserve rotation, yeah, by far the best. A little streaky, but they're, but they're deep they're, and they're, they're good. They're getting, they're getting more consistent, which is yeah. great. I think it's—the freshmen are still a little inconsistent, but Bobby Kremens would play literally, like, a six-man rotation. He'd have, like, one sub who played 20 minutes and then, like, maybe a seventh— Grant, the past couple seasons, has basically done seven. It was the starting five plus Pointer and McManus last year. Now he's playing four men off the bench consistently. Yeah. Richard, Zepp, Miller, and McManus. How much of that is, do you think, Earl <laughs> being more open to go deep on the bench versus just these four probably being better than any other four from the... I think, I think a lot of it's talent. I think he's... Like, I have to play these guys because they're good enough to play. Yeah. And so I need to lessen my restrictions on rotations. And for a while, it wasn't working. For a while, it wasn't working because the guys weren't contributing enough. And he was just like, we have to play everything through Riller and Brantley. Yep. But 
they've been playing better as of late. They're getting more consistent. And when you don't have three scores, you have two scores, and then somebody has to step up. So you might get nine to 12 points from one of those guys, and that's usually good enough. Yeah. So the bench played well. 31 points is no joke. We have to talk about Eric Carter, who is Delaware's best player. Double-double machine. Averages, like, I think he's the sixth highest scorer in the conference. Uh, he had hurt his back in the game before this. You could tell he was looking a little rigid and stiff. He had a not very good game by his standards, just eight points and four rebounds in 27 minutes. So you mentioned what happens if Charleston doesn't hit right, all those threes. those threes. They're probably getting in in the paint and uh, and putting in work on Eric Carter, which happened a few times. I mean, Nick Harris had a couple dunks. Jalen McManus scored on Carter a couple times and pretty good. So is, is he really Delaware's only like big inside presence? Yeah. Yeah, Delaware plays a small lineup. They play four guards plus Carter. And it was good to see somebody like McManus, who is going to be matched up with a guard, just yeah. take him down in the paint, score over him. That was really I mean, nice. this is something, and, you know, as not a lifelong fan, maybe get a little more leeway to be critical. But I think the, the Cougs in particular, you know, they, it seems like they usually only have one person under the basket. They get pulled out really far. Yeah. So it's probably good they're playing against Delaware where they don't have much of a, a big presence inside either because I feel like that's really our gap. Yeah. If Eric Carter was shooting threes, we'd be in trouble. Yeah. But I have not seen him do too much of that. It's mo- mostly old school game in the paint. He's got like really good footwork, really good back to the basket game. So, yeah, no, that is definitely a matchup that is favorable to us. Yeah. Do you have any other questions about the Delaware game? Um, No. The only thing to, to nitpick from this game, again, great that they score in the 80s, great that they won by eight, great that four guys were in double figures. But Coach Grant mentioned it after the game. He had wished the guys had closed out a little bit better. I think they were up 12 or 15 late with like eight minutes ago, six minutes ago, something like that. And Delaware came back, and I think we pulled away right at the end. Right at the but end. that is a theme that's going to be brought up in our next game. That is a perfect segue. Thank you. I've been practicing those. <laughs> Into Drexel. Drexel. So, yeah. So Drexel started off great. I mean, things started really well. Um, what was it? 15 at the half? 13 at the half? They were up 13 at the half, I yeah. believe. Before we get to that point, though... Marquise Pointer, who got hurt in that Delaware game, he was in the starting lineup, which was great to see from not even being able to walk to, to being in the starting lineup. He's a fighter. He's Marquise. a tough guy. He's a he's a tough SOB. But Nick Harris, out for personal reasons. Right. So no Nick Harris. Jalen McManus gets the start. Brantley moves over to center. No, I was, I was pretty excited to see either what Jalen or what Sam Miller time was going to be able to do with that starting spot. Yeah. Yeah. And they did well. They did really well. Well, it was like Zepp with the extended minutes. I mean, they, they got more burn. Both those guys, or not McManus, Miller had a season high, 11 points, and Pointer had a season high, 13 points. Yeah. McManus had a good night as well. I mean, yeah, no, those go those guys, again, the bench, it's good to have, Depth. if somebody goes down, yep. you have a guy who can consistently fill in that spot. So yeah, like we just mentioned, the game started off very favorable for the Cougars. And again, this was... You were in a great mood. I was in such a great mood. You were in such a good mood. But it was not meant to last. <laughs> great start. This is, again, a revenge game. Drexel ended Charleston's 22-game home win streak in painful, painful fashion. That was Jarrell Brantley fa- uh, fouling 
Troy Harper from three with like no time on the clock. Yes. He hits all three. They win by one. Horrible. Horrible way to lose. So the Cougars are up early in this one. Marquise Pointer and Jalen McManus had the first combined for the first 11 points of the game, which is great. That is just a good sign that Pointer is looking healthy. He only averages like five points a game. He had the first six for Charleston. And then J-Mac hits a three, hits a two. J-Mac, I like that nickname. Yeah, J-Mac. So you have 11 points already from from no Riller, no Brantley, right? which is awesome. Jarrell Brantley, though, was all over the court this entire game. He had steals. He had a couple blocks. He had a couple dunks just all over the place, which was good because in the past Drexel game in Charleston, he was not super effective. Kind of took himself out of the game a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, Charleston was up 10 for a lot of the game. Grant Riller was in FU mode, which we've seen a few times before, Mm. where I don't know if he's being trash-talked or what, but he was just like, I am going to murder whoever is in between me and the basket. And you saw his dunk. But on that point, yes, I saw the dunk and the dunk on SportsCenter. Um, The fouls. Are we going to talk about the fouls? Yeah. Who's fouls? Oh, the fouls late in the game? Yes. Oh, yeah. Talk about FU mode. I mean, that kind of goes two ways. If you get that hyped, (laughs) then... Right. FU mode, value (laughs) mode goes goes both ways. Well, let's talk about the positives first. Okay. Because we're going to talk a lot about the end. Positives of this game... If four double-figure scores is good, this game had five double-figure yeah. scores. Virginia. No Zep. And no Zep. And that's not even Zep. Zep didn't even score in this I game. Know. I know. I love you, Zep. love you, Zep. Riller, Brantley, always in double figures. But then you got Galloway, who had another strung-together, back-to-back good games. Marquise Pointer, again, season-high 13. And Sam Miller, season-high 11 points. All in all, a very good night offensively. The Cougars, yes. I think, also shot... Shot 53% from the field. So they were, it was a fine night offensively for the Cougars. Nothing to complain about offensively. Mm. Offensively. Uh, we might talk about this later, but the, the free throws. Drexel did not miss from the free they throw line. They did not miss, and we only shot 72%. Charleston 73. shot 75%. They were 18 for 24 yeah. Drexel 19 for 19. Yeah, so they shot, was in They shot a lot as well. And we missed some ones down the line where, you know, when we let them get between, get mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. three or four, can't be missing those. So Charleston's up 13 at the break. And I, you saw me. I was not, like, super thrilled. You're like, I thought the game was tied based on your reaction. This is, why aren't you happier? And I was like, this is where we were last time, and it came back to bite us. Yep. I'm trying to think if there's anything else positive before we get to the ugly part of the game you should make if you if there's no more positive you should save it so it's a positive negative positive sandwich oh i like that so let's go to the end and just to preface this i know that drexel is a peer in the conference they're not going to go down quietly and this happens to good teams teams come back against them and the cougars hung on this time which they did not do in TD Arena against the same team. Drexel, for the record, did you know this? They have the biggest comeback in NCAA basketball history. I did not know that. That was last year against Delaware. They came back from, I believe, 34 down. Wow. And they won. So this is, and same guys were on the team, basically. So this is a team that is not going to be intimidated and is not just going to roll over. With about four minutes to go, Charleston's up 15. Grant Riller gets a technical. 
I don't know if he was mouthing off to the refs or the refs heard something. He gets a technical. He fouls Trevor John, who's an excellent free throw shooter, and gets called for the uh, technical. technical. So that's four free throws on one possession for Drexel. From that point on, they were outscored 22 to 9. They want to keep people below 60. They allowed 22 points in four minutes. Can't be doing that. Insane. That's insane. So where did those shots come from, though? Was it threes? Was it fast breaks? Was it trading empty free throws for threes helped? Yeah. Technical free throws, which was six points just off flagrants and technicals. Then Brantley gets the... Brantley, this is down when it gets to the seven-second mark. Seven seconds left in the game. Charleston is up two, and Drexel is fouling right away. Brantley catches the ball, gets fouled. Throws a bow. Sometime in there, he throws a bow. Yeah. You know, maybe it was flagrant, maybe it wasn't, but it's exactly like... You can't give them that opportunity. We said the same thing. I said the same thing to Andrew Miller after the Drexel game last time. It's like you shouldn't put yourself in a position that the ref can even make that call. Right. Yeah. You're up two. You're shooting free throws. The other team has no timeouts. The only way they're going to score five points and win the game in less than four seconds is if you give them the ball on their side of the court. You they hit both their free throws and then they can shoot a three. Because, again, they're getting the possession from that flagrant. That's exactly what Jarrell Brantley did. It's like the one thing you can't do. The game at TD. Troy Harper's going down the court. Just do whatever. Just don't foul him. If he shoots a two, the game goes to overtime. If he shoots a three, just contest it. Just don't foul. That's the only thing you can't do there. And it was disappointing to see Brantley put the team in that situation. The flagrant was his fifth, so he's ejected from the game. He's out. Sam Miller takes the free throws, thank God, makes them both. Because if he misses one or two, it's a totally different strategy. Ball goes back to Drexel. They make both their free throws, and then they have possession. They shoot they what would have won the game because they were down two. Yeah. And I believe it was a three-point and attempt. And Sam gets the board. Sam Miller gets the rebound, which was, again, clutch. Super clutch. But if they hit that shot... That's Dunzo for the Cougs, and that's another choke job against Drexel. Yeah. So if I'm Drexel, I am, like, itching to play Charleston in the tournament. In the tourney. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, oh, I, we get under their, we yeah. totally get under their skin. We totally rattle them. We should have won both these games. We should have swept them. Fortunately, again, glad the Cougars won. I know it's tough to close out games, especially without a steadying presence like Joe. But from Grant and Jarrell... They're older guys. I wish they would just keep their emotions in check, knowing time and score. Emotions are great. You can show your emotions on the court, but in certain times, just don't even give the other team free shots. And it was great to see that the younger guys on the bench not only led the team from a scoring perspective, but also were able to remain calm and together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those guys, I think the experience they're getting pays off in multiple ways not just like you're getting adjusted to the college game more but like a leadership and like a on-court demeanor you're just getting experience there too so i know that's a little harsh on the team but still love you zap (laughs) still love jarell and grant but we know you guys know this would love to see just a little bit more consistency with 
keeping your cool and just just let the let let your play do the talking for you. Win, beat them by fifteen. That does way more talking than pulling away late after they come back. Do you have any other questions about the Drexel game? No. Well, let's talk about what this means in the CAA standings. Do you have a guess as to who's in first in the CAA? It's a New York team. It's a New York team. Um, Long Island. Long Island? Is that where Hofstra is? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Hofstra is in first place. Haven't they had some really big wins recently? Like big point wins? Yeah, yeah. So they destroyed Elon the other yes. the other day, and they destroyed Delaware in the first game of the season. They beat them by like forty. Wow. Hofstra's ten and one. Northeastern is nine and three. Charleston's, Charleston's nine and four. They're a half game behind. Northeastern still has to play a, an extra game. Charleston's third, and then there's kind of a, a drop off now to Delaware, who is fourth. Hofstra eleven and one. Northeastern nine and three. Charleston nine and four. Delaware, two games behind the Cougars at seven and six. Drexel, six and seven. If the tournament started tomorrow, who do you think we'd be the least prepared to play? Like, what would be the toughest matchup? So I would would not want to play Drexel. As it stands now, I don't think we would play them. We would play the... No, I I don't mean, like, by, like, current ranking. I just mean... Uh, so out of the teams below us, because I don't want to play either Northeastern or Hofstra, I think Drexel's probably the, the team. The toughest. Drexel or William & Mary. William & Mary has a great offense, shoots a ton of threes, like ton of backdoor cuts. We've never beaten them in Williamsburg. Really? Really. William & Mary would be, a, would be a tough match. We beat them last year in the semifinals, but they can get hot. They're a team that can get hot. Any other, other teams? Drexel you feel pretty good is about obviously... It. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for now. Charleston pretty secure in third place. Uh, coming down the stretch, there's only five games to go, and they're up two. But this week is probably the biggest week of the year for the Cougars. Hofstra comes to town Valentine's Day, Thursday, and then Northeastern on Saturday. So you have the top wow. two teams coming to TD Arena this Thursday and Saturday. So the fans better come out. Fans got to come out. Better be lit, fam. I mean, they better be there for hosting the number one team in the conference. And a, a score, Justin Wright Foreman, who had 48 points yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Had 48 points on Saturday. Yeah. That's more than, like, the NC State. That is more than NC State scored. Yeah. That's very astute. The very. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do my best. Yeah. Justin Wright Foreman can score with anybody. And Hofstra beat Charleston pretty thoroughly in New York. So, big week ahead for the Cougars. Hope the team shows up. Hope the fans show up. Are you going to watch the game, Valentine's Day? Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Well, Virginia, it has been a pleasure. Can we go eat dessert now? Yes. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for being here. This was fun. Yeah, this was great. All right. Stay tuned, everybody, for the next episode of the Holy City Hoops podcast. That's all for now. Have a good one.